Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, but sometimes monthly. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing really well. Coming off the back of Tabletop Scotland this weekend. How did it get on? How did you do? How did it get did on? Did you win? <laughs> it did, yeah. We, we, we did well. And we defeated the Outer Gods, sealed the portals... Nothing came through, oh, nice. which is always good. Nothing came through. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, Blue was in the lead for most of it, as as always happens. <laughs> Going to say, what a surprise that Blue was in the yeah. lead. Did you um? Did you change up the order to try and stop that? Or no, no, it was all just set up uh, as per as per standard form. <laughs> our, our table did make a concerted effort to contribute to green. <laughs> there was one turn where we, <laughs> we put five doom on green. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It and, was just... and green was a quarter of the way to blue at that point. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> it was just um, mutations spilling over. That was the problem. It's a, it's a fascinating one because I love the promise of War of the Outer Gods and finding out which faction's going to be in the lead. But unfortunately, it feels like blue is so strong that often that scenario becomes a sort of help green and red <laughs> yeah, which is not not the intended design yeah, of the, the yeah. scenario. We, we did play it once. One of the people who was helping organise it this time did organise a game where we 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 explicitly tried to stop blue from mm. winning, and I think it I think mm. it worked. I think green came out on top. When I ran it last, and when I played it last, because table talk is allowed across tables. Yeah, and I've explicitly gone around as an organiser and as a player, and said. Hey, just so you know, watch out for blue. <laughs> you know, do anything you can, because otherwise you go in and you're like, oh, a doom on blue—that's no bad thing. And then you realise every table's put a doom on blue, and it's so far ahead. And changing the order can help, although I think I got the order wrong one event I ran. Yeah, and that meant blue was just like smashing. <laughs> Good old Silenus. That's right. Yeah, they're just—they're just so potent. So, what are we talking about today, Peter? Good question, Frank. We are talking about... Have we got a snappy name for this? I should have said, good old Silenus, they're just so efficient. Yeah, you should have done. You didn't know. Okay, I didn't. We have got a snappy name. (laughs) It is why the action economy is, or perhaps is not, your friend. Mmm, yes. So, triggering kind of yelling at your podcast devices, any of the people who do or don't like the term action economy. I'm going to dig into a, a bit on that. Although, that said, a lot of my notes don't even use the word action economy. So, Excellent. We're going to drop a really controversial episode and then I'm going to go to Australia for three weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to pick up the pieces. When I said this, I, what I really meant was, yeah. yeah. So we framed all of this in terms of efficiency and the action economy... I suppose, is a way into thinking about efficiency in various games. And yeah, like as a tangent for later in the episode, we should really explore why it is that it has a sort of notorious reputation. Yeah. And maybe you know more about that than I do. I feel like in Netrunner as well, there was... Well, I, I, it's, it's a difficult one. Responses because... to the click economy. Yeah, yeah th- th- there's a... I, I actually wrote an article about this a while ago. Can I can I oh, okay. summarise my joke? <laughs> Please do. Yeah. I led the article with a joke, which is that biotic labour is a terrible card because it only gives you one extra action 
and it costs four to play, where an action is only worth a single resource. Mm-hmm. So the, the implication is you'd play this expensive card to give you an extra action, and then you'd mm-hmm. only use that extra action to gain another resource anyway. So that there's yeah. this comparison of, of what a card, how many kind of actions worth of actions <laughs> uh, a card can give you is a, is, yeah. a, is a way of comparing economy cards. Mm. Right? So if yeah. we look at, yeah. say, let's pick a couple of, of Arkham economy cards, say emergency cash mm-hmm. costs one action to play, zero resources. It gives mm-hmm. you three resources. So that's mm-hmm. one action is then worth three resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people include the cost of drawing the card in this as well. So really it's you're spending a card to then gain two more resources than you would have done if you hadn't spent the action, if you just spent the action taking a resource, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I could go action resource, action resource, or I could go action draw, action play, and I end up with just one more resource. Yes, that's yeah. right. And you, you that card in your deck could have been used for something else, something more useful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, so, so this is a way, I, I guess, the, the kind of, the, the actions of a, how much actions of economy a card gives you is a useful way of comparing those cards specifically. But then again, like you, you can get yourself in trouble if you look at, say, Hot Streak, which mm-hmm. is pay three get ten, five, three for ten. Is it? Uh, yeah. Is there what's is that level but four? What's level yeah, two? Yeah, level two is pay five get ten. Right. So that's a vast increase in the amount of resources you get. So mm-hmm. five pay five get ten is five resources rather than three for a single action. Mm-hmm. But you need to have the five resources before you can play it, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. th- the easier a card is to play, the, the kind of less uh, return on investment you're going to get. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm starting to blather a little bit. We're just like is digging this... deep straight away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but uh, th- yeah. what 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 I guess is slightly more controversial is this idea that actions on your turn are is the word fungible mm-hmm. so that they're, they're they're totally interchangeable whereas mm-hmm. when you the, the practicalities of playing the game and the reasons why the biotic labor joke works slash mm-hmm. you know makes sense not necessarily that it's funny that the actions on your turn aren't all created equal yes. that having yeah. a four action turn is proportionately more valuable than just a single resource you're not yeah. going to get a card that costs a resource and gives you an extra action. That 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 the, the trading in that direction doesn't work. Extra actions are much more valuable because they they extend the the, the game is really balanced around three action turns. Mm-hmm. So say a four health enemy is hard to deal with in three actions. If it's not engaged with you, you need to engage it, attack it twice uh, yeah, with a, with a two damage two weapon. Hit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in order to be able to deal with that. And then mm. if you've got a six health enemy, the game is kind of balanced around it's very hard to deal with that in a single turn. The other example in this in these terms is if you have a two action to remove treachery or weakness mm. in front of you. It's do you want to trade two thirds of your turn doing that? You only get one remaining action to do anything else. Yeah. But if you were to have four actions that turn, suddenly you're only losing half of your turn and you have two actions left over. Yeah. So similarly, 
how much the the encounter deck enemies treacheries eat into your actions again is predicated on the fact that you only have three and having you know if i do two actions worth of something and i have an action spare i can't put one action into clearing that weakness and say oh and i'll just spend my first action next turn you know it doesn't carry over yeah so that one spare action is not the same as if i had two actions left so so i the the shorthand i would say for this is that not all actions are created equal some actions are more valuable than others yeah yeah we've also talked about how the point in the game changes the the value of the actions as well so whether that's those actions in the first turn are they the most valuable actions to get set up or whether it's that later in the game as you're running out of time your actions become increasingly valuable and it's something maybe we come back to in this episode but again given that this is all under the banner of efficiency Mm -hmm. it's how do we behave efficiently at different points in a scenario as well rather than just i don't know that this idea that i guess this ties into the idea is like is it always good to play emergency cash as soon as you draw it yeah and it's like it's great in your opening hand get that boost of resources it might be that there's later in a scenario where the the cost in bunny ears of that action is too great actually paying emergency cash when you're really pressed for actions might not be worth three resources. Mm -hmm. You might need an even bigger boost. So I went down the rabbit hole a bit with this and I thought in true to Drawn to the Flame style, we should define what we mean by efficiency. Wait a minute, that's that's an Arkham card. (laughs) What is? Down the rabbit hole. (laughs) I thought you were saying efficiency wise. (laughs) I've not heard of this this card. Yeah, and then I want to talk about what, what is efficiency specifically in Arkham, which we've linked to. And I did a bit of Googling about, I, like, genuinely, this was my, my I'm going to peel behind the curtain here. I was like, what is efficiency in games anyway? Like, can you actually define it? And so I Googled what is efficiency in games. And I found a, a Reddit post from quite a long time ago, from over a decade ago, where someone's written... I play a lot of games with my brother who's an incredibly analytic person and he always finds the most efficient way to do things, whereas I like testing out different ideas. The problem I find is that people can just look up the most efficient way to do things in games online and that becomes the norm and every other method loses in comparison. And they go on and say, is it true that the internet has ruined innovation in games? Which is, innovation might not be the right word. I thought this was really interesting because it also sums up for me some of this sort of the the meta discussion around efficiency, which is about, I guess it's a value judgment around efficiency. Is it good or bad to be efficient? Are you in some way depriving yourself of fun, creativity, exploration, all of these other things, which I'd, I'd argue against, but I can, I definitely have sympathies for that position. The top reply says, this isn't new. Guides for games have been around for 20 years. In a single-player game, it's entirely up to the player whether or not they want to look up a min-maxed setup. In online games, other people expect you to run an efficient setup because your play affects them. And that's fascinating to me as well because Arkham obviously is, for some people, a single-player game. But also, I would say that our experience of... How many years have we been doing this? Six years of doing a podcast, seven years of the game being out, is that that doesn't actually necessarily pertain. If I post a deck that's like got cards that don't really work together and it really just makes no sense, people will respond to that and say, 
I don't understand what your deck is doing here. Which is again, I'm going on a bit of a tangent, but there's a there's a a meta expectation about building decks in a certain way. Um, hopefully quite a broad way, but yeah. Yeah, and I think this is what started us down that this this path, isn't it? I, I shared that video mm. with you, which was, is it rude to be bad at Warcraft? Yeah, yeah. And the implication there is that there's an expectation from your team when you're playing Warcraft, World of Warcraft, that you've brought an optimal setup because the game is balanced around because of the, the prevalence of the internet and, and strategies, as you discussed in that post about efficiency, there's, mm. a, there's a prevalence of optimized uh, information about how to play the game in an optimized way out there. So if you come to the party and you're not up on all of that, if you don't have all the right gear already and you don't have all the right mods installed, then you're not playing the same game everyone else is. And do the people who are playing that other game have tolerance for that? Or is the expectation get, get on side? Yeah, And we've talked about this with Arkham events as well. One of the things we love about running events is seeing the weird and wonderful things that people run. Yes, And that delight of being paired with someone who's running a deck that you've not seen them do certain things. And there's a couple of other comments to this efficiency post. One person says, that's why a well-designed game doesn't have a best way to do something. Try looking up the best way to play chess. Which is just like (laughs) such a, a beautiful reply on the internet. And then someone else later on says, sometimes to beat efficiency, you have to think outside of the box with a new strategy. And I feel like that also sums up some of what we're doing here. When efficiency becomes dogma, that for me is when it starts to tend towards maybe my own personal enjoyment in the game falling away. So I'm thinking about some of those early days experiences of, you know, why run a seeker that's not Rex? Because Rex is so good. Or why wouldn't you run higher ed? And that idea of higher ed is a card that boosts one's efficiency so much that it's very hard to argue against. Yeah. And yeah, I I guess it's going down that path of the World of Warcraft thing of you're trying to to explain to someone why I'm not running higher ed because I want to explore other things. And that, that position clashes with the efficient position. So we've started talk, linking this back to efficiency on Arkham. Maybe you can tell us, Peter, a little bit about what is efficiency in Arkham. Oh, no. I've got the, I've got the terrible job here. So so <laughs> I <laughs> I don't know what, what even started me down this route of thinking. And it was, it was a... I guess I was looking at a pure numerical analysis of what a Arkham scenario was like. I think mm-hmm. it, was the, it was the idea that once you open this door, you can't then shut it. Mm-hmm. Once you mm-hmm. think about the the game in a particular way, you can't undo thinking about it like this. Mm. Close your ears if you don't want to hear that. I guess, but mm-hmm. but yeah, what I what I tried to think was we should have titled it something like this. One crazy trick is gonna, you know, will change how you think about Arkham. Which <laughs> for the really clickbaity title. <laughs> I think I actually say this in in that article I wrote that thinking about the game in terms of of numbers in this way will rob some of the magic of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, right, let's do it anyway. So if, yeah. if if we say that an Arkham scenario is about the is about finding clues, let's assume a pretty generic Arkham scenario mm-hmm. where we've mm-hmm. got a number of acts, a number of agendas. The acts are progressed by finding clues. The agendas are, are, are progressed by doom amassing. Yeah. Your 
it's a pretty straightforward calculation of what you've got to do. You've got to find X clues at each stage and the scenario is going to last Y turns to doom. Efficiency is about maximizing the ratio of X, so number of clues you found, to Y, which is the time you've got. So, so you want to find the most clues in the shortest amount of time, really. Mm-hmm. And what yeah. this lets you do then is view cards that do things like gather clues. So if, if you presume that gathering clues is your primary method of advancing the acts and completing the scenario, you want to do a very like basic numerical analysis. <laughs> if, if you're mm-hmm. taking, say, actions out of your turn... To, to play cards, they need to make up for those actions in terms of the number of clues you gather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's look at, for instance, a fingerprint kit. Mm-hmm. You're spending four resources and an action to play something which is going to get you three extra clues, along with a stat boost, obviously. So it's letting you gather clues twice as fast, but you've spent those four resources and an action playing it. You've already lost an mm-hmm. action as you played the card. Presuming you haven't drawn it as well, uh, spend an action to draw it. Is yeah. is it worth spending that amount of resources to play that card? Mm. You might even end up in a position where you're inefficient in terms of you don't get if you miss any of those tests. <laughs> that's mm. that's mm-hmm. that's some of the investment there gone. Yeah, yeah. And you'd hope that with the stat boost, you don't miss those tests. Mm-hmm. But it's an element of Arkham that's worth being aware of that you can miss. So in Purely numerical terms, if you have six clues to get, you could spend six actions investigating and get six clues. Or with the fingerprint kit example, you could play a card costing you four resources and then investigate three times, so spending you four actions to get the same number of clues. All things being equal in terms of tests and everything else. Yes. So if if you'd spent four actions gaining the four resources to play it, then it loses any efficiency you might have had. Mm-hmm. You could and have you spent eight eight actions. Exactly. Do. Yeah. Uh, so so with with this this looking at efficiency in terms of that ratio, you can see that anything which taxes actions such as treacheries lowers your efficiency ratio. Basically, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. why efficient. That's why treacheries are bad. It's because mm-hmm. they stop you spending actions on progressing the act. Yeah. Uh, we need to get six clues to advance. We can do that in six actions. Oh no, I've drawn a ta- treachery that's going to cost me two actions. Now we're going to advance in eight actions. Yeah. Or so on and so forth. Yeah. Plus they might just kill you. So that's like a secondary loss condition. And in <laughs> your, fact, your efficiency drops to zero. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, but I mean, I've said secondary loss, but in, in our hypothetical scenario, it kind of is because it's not the pressure that that's not the driving pressure, which is getting you to gain clues. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you. you you view the health and the sanity as a buffer from dying. Your health and sanity pool is a buffer yeah. before you die. And mm. that can be expended, avoiding certain effects, or it just has to soak up certain effects. I imagine many players have had the experience where they might have finished a scenario with the classic move, move, resign, maybe taking two attacks of opportunity. So that's obviously an example of a scenario where you don't need to get clues to finish but you suddenly realise that actually the efficient path out is just accepting that you have enough of a buffer in health and sanity and leaving. Yeah. And that's, for many people, quite a watershed moment where up until that point, they've been either drawing enemies or treacheries that they feel they need to resolve. And then they realise, oh, wow, actually, I don't need to resolve these. I can just crack on. Yeah. And I can finish 
as efficiently as possible as a result. So if if you what we're saying is if you finish a scenario with any health or sanity left beyond one, then you're playing inefficiently and you should be ashamed of yourself. And the quicker you finish the scenario, <laughs> yes, the more efficient you are. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the goal of Arkham is how quickly you finish. It's not finishing or not. Yeah, I say that as a joke because, of course, that's one of the arguments against efficiency. One of the arguments here in Arkham to not worry about being efficient or not is as long as I'm getting the clues I need in the time allotted, does it matter that I've done it efficiently or not? Efficiency only starts to matter if we realise that scenarios have a limited time and will be penalised for not doing things efficiently. Yeah. And the fingerprint kit example ties into this, I think, because one of the things that's elegant about the game is it's hard to necessarily boil it down entirely to the numbers. Yes. Like you say, you play the fingerprint kit, your efficiency goes up, or your efficiency ratio, until you pull the tentacle, and then you think, oh, well, that was actually a waste. What did we have recently playing? Oh, we had it where you drew two Frozen in Fear on consecutive turns. Oh, yeah, that's right. And we could have moved to be with each other to do various things, maybe to spend clues or whatever it was. But that was going to be your whole turn to move one location. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's not necessarily efficient. Well, it's not efficient. It's like, that's such a waste. I could do, I could use my actions to do other things if I stay put and I don't move, fight or evade. But then also do weigh up like, well, is us just being in the same location to spend these clues actually the most efficient thing because we just need to do X or Y, whatever it was in the scenario. And at that point, efficiency rears its head again. Is it just that it's just going to cost us two more actions to do the thing we're trying to do? You've added as well, like anything which does something without yeah, spending oh, an action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, just before, you, before you, we move on, what you've just said there links to an... I think a bigger topic we're going to talk about in a future episode as well. So keep your ears peeled for that. Ooh, little teaser there. Keep peeled listeners. your ears. Yeah. So, so what? What? Once, once you consider the the driving force of the game as getting clues in the short time before the in, in as few actions as possible. Mm. I, 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 what I said was anything which does something without an action. If it's an action you need to spend in the gathering of clues, is effectively giving you free clues. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Pathfinder gives you doesn't give you a move action; it gives you a clue because you move to somewhere where there's clues and you get a clue. Yeah. So you can get yeah. one more clue because you're not spending the action to move. Mm-hmm. At this point, so I, I I sent you all this in a kind of a very long string of messages, um, probably while yeah. I was sitting on the toilet. Apologies for that, Frank. Wow. That's a peek behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? Actually, I think I was, might have been thinking about this in the shower because I was thinking, could I get a whiteboard in the shower, <laughs> or can I? Get... <laughs> it was genuinely what I was Waterproof thinking. Waterproof whiteboard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. At, at this point, I thought, wow, okay, I've I've cracked something, and then I thought, actually, no. All I've done is, as I've elevated action economy to kind of clue economy, so it's it's yeah. it's just a level above that maybe not even a level, it's a level aside from that. So Yeah, rather than saying one action is worth one card or one resource. I've said it's worth say, a clue. <laughs> yeah. Um prob- but probably more than one clue. So there'll be some ratio of action to clue equivalents you can average mm. out. Or maybe I, I don't know, maybe it's less than one because you spend a lot of actions doing things ancillary to gathering clues, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, if you say it had 
a scenario that's five turns long and you needed to get 15 clues in that scenario to win, that's a pretty hefty tax because that would be all of your actions need to be spent investigating unless you could boost your efficiency. So yeah. it's not it's not as demanding as that. And also, you know, little side point, think about Rex in these terms as well. Mm. If you have an investigator who their actions are, in theory, two clues per action. You mean pre-taboo Rex? Yeah. 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 You'd see why he was so good, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, that just completely blows out of the water any sense of pressure, any expectation around you need to make sure you're efficient. You, You need to build Rex's stat up so that he can do that well. But he can, you know, throw and enter higher ed. He can do that in such a way that it's so efficient that it makes a mockery of everything else. Yeah. And I, th- I think this, it needs to be tightly controlled, the, the clue, additional clue gathering, which I think you've, mm. you've hinted at in our show notes here. So mm. there's, there's not really, well, I mean, feeding on from Rex. If Rex was a weapon, Rex would be a machete, wouldn't he? Pretty mm. much. I mean, Rex yeah. does have a limitation on his ability. But Rex when it, when... is a switchblade, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Rex is a switchblade. There we go. Yeah, yeah. That, that, the, the ability to gather additional clues is more powerful than the ability to deal additional damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we often see the cost of cards that give you additional clues being higher than their equivalents, if we can call them that, in damage. So Machete Shriveling costs three and does plus four or more damage, and then fingerprint kits costs four and only gets you three extra clues. I think we I think we had Sean on the cast when we did the Edge of the Earth second looks, and Sean made some really good points, I think, comparing Brand of Cthulhu and Divination around exactly this, like clues are more valuable slash expensive. There's, there's a... I like that it's not as plainly simple everything is the same, you know, plus one evade, plus one damage, plus one clue. It's nice that there's a difference. I think the wrinkle is important. So what? what's, I guess the question I've got then, Frank, is so what, we, we can think about clues, um, cards like this in terms of, say, clue gathering ability. And mm. I guess, you know, you might be able to say to people, if you're building a deck for, say, a standalone, then think about what the objective of this, of the, scenario is and build a deck around that um Mm. but what difference Mm. does this make when i'm say building decks or analyzing experience spend for a regular campaign well i know i've sprung that on you yeah i I feel like i I, I sort of set this episode up by sending you a long string of messages and didn't close it out and now i've asked you to do that for me yeah 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 and just before we hit record i said you know, I've written a lot of notes here, but yeah. I'm really looking forward to your thoughts. Yeah, and, I didn't write and anything. There was this sort of like, heard this like, um, what could only be described as sort of like oral tumbleweed on the other end when, when I said that. Yeah. Um, your question was, how how do we think about efficiency when deck building and planning for a, a campaign? I think, I mean, that's a really good question because I think some of that goes into most people who are playing the game in an experienced manner anyway you're making choices based on this card is better than that one for this deck. My investigator is able to do X or Y, so I'm going to lean into that with certain cards that that accentuate that. So uh, I'll give you a real example here. Say I'm a well-off rogue. It's like, great, I'm going to run Intel reports and I'm going to be happy paying the four or six resources for that. 
that's fine. In the same way that if I could run Intel report in, say, Jim, which I can do, maybe I wouldn't do that because I'm not expecting my, my Mystic Jim to be having lots of resources. Mm. So there's something about being aware of the strengths and weaknesses of my investigator and how I might be making choices that lean into allowing them to do something well. And we could flip it on its head as well. I might send you a deck where I've chosen a weapon for a particular investigator and you say, well, why have you chosen that? That's not going to that's not going to fit. Like a meat cleaver is a good example here. If you've got any way of mitigating the horror damage, meat cleaver is a fantastically efficient weapon. But if you put meat cleaver in an investigator who can't deal with their horror, suddenly it ceases to be that because you can't keep taking horror for extra damage and you get stuck. Yeah. So yeah, there's part of this is the nuance of deck building. And again, I think this is why, this is why there aren't perfect builds for certain investigators. There's, a whole range of different builds. There's a lot of grey area around what is or isn't efficient. There's personal way of playing as well, and so on and so forth. You could also say that, for instance, people have fed back to me on Think on Your Feet that I draw a lot of cards. So I spend a lot of actions drawing a lot of cards. The criticism of that would be I'm playing inefficiently. I've not built a deck that's good enough that I can just do things without spending extra actions drawing cards. But my argument would be but then later in the scenario, when I have a full hand of cards, I'm completely in control and I know what I can do. We can go through and look at my Think on Your Feet experiences. Now I've got quite a lot of data on how Frank plays the game that anyone can analyse. Mm-hmm. But I, my memory would be that normally I close out scenarios strongly. And if I'm going to get stuck, it's going to be somewhere in the middle. Not always, obviously. That in itself is a... I guess I'm playing inefficiently to start, if we want to call it that to then be more efficient at the end, and I'm willing to make that trade-off. And finding the line of when do you stop drawing cards or not is quite important. I don't know if I've answered your question. Do you have any any responses to it? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, again, I, I'm really keen to discuss this in a future episode, but there's there's that gap between what you need to do to complete a scenario and, sorry, how efficient you need to be Mm-hmm. to achieve your objectives slash complete the scenario and play having fun playing the game yeah big gap yes because we don't we don't just play the game to complete scenarios mm-hmm. play the game for the enjoyment of playing the game that enjoyment does vary from pe- person to person as well so some people gain totally. enjoyment from building complicated engines mm-hmm it doesn't matter if you finish the game on the first turn or with no actions to spare. It doesn't matter if you finish the game with full health and sanity or clinging on to life. Yeah. So there's this big, big gulf as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're lucky that the community doesn't say, I completed the gathering in eight turns and then someone else replies, well, that's all right, but an efficient deck should complete it in seven. Unless you're a speedrunner. Unless, Unless you're, you're speedrunning, and that's that's Filey fine, and that's going to going to come back and tell us tell us how wrong we are. <laughs> yeah, how inefficient we've been. That's and that that I think is is nice because it specifically says the goal here is to to accomplish this as quickly as possible. It's not saying that's the standard goal of an Arkham scenario. It's not. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. There's a big gap there. I think. I think so. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that's where most people will live. I think as as you very rightly said. It doesn't matter whether you complete a scenario with all of your health and sanity fully stopped in five actions, or if you do it about to die in five turns. 
five ten mm. is quite a short scenario, but but you, you know what I mean, mm. right? It, it doesn't matter how much time you've got left, yeah, because yeah. because the game has a narrative resolution. Mm. That those unless you are defeated during the scenario and you take trauma, and depending on the kind of route you've taken with the narrative, maybe you've missed helping some civilians in whatever scenario. You know, your outcome's going to be the same in those, or can be the same in those two situations. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think a lot of people would say the more memorable game I had was the was the latter game, where yeah. we got out by the skin of our teeth. Mm. It, it, we think. Let's think back to our first Scarlet Keys campaign. Yeah, the the memorable scenarios to me are the ones maybe there was a bit more grit to them. You know, mm-hmm. fight fighting in Marrakesh, um, in Buenos Aires. In mm. the the secret scenario, those are all scenarios yeah. where we had a much more difficult time, and they mm-hmm. stood out mm. more to me than some of the other scenarios where we yeah. crushed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the finale actually doesn't stand out in the same way that those ones where every action was yeah. precious and how we were doing it. That is, I'm glad you said that because I wonder if there's also here an element of when we think about scenarios that are considered to be difficult. Is there a requirement in them to be so efficient with what you do that uh, lots of players who fall somewhere in this very wide bracket of being efficient or not start to feel really punished? So you think about, say, Boundary Beyond, where you need to get clues to clear locations, but to find locations you're being taxed to do certain things and you're being hit by exploring, if you're playing the original Explore rules, there's like multiple roadblocks in the way that make it hard to be efficient and the time you're given is fairly tight or you think about wages of sin as well where once the geists come out they require so much of you in terms of them covering a map and everything else that if your decks are tuned and ready for it you can absolutely monster those scenarios i've got six locations in boundary beyond i've got all four geists in wages of sin not even a humble brag just a full brag here but (laughs) When you first experience those scenarios, unless you're ready for those things, they feel really hard and they they require that kind of, I suppose, an awareness of the action economy and of every action being incredibly precious, making the most of every like down action so that you don't have any down actions, that you're always working towards it because otherwise you fall behind. Yeah, that was a long-winded way of saying, are the hard scenarios the ones that require us to be more efficient? I suppose the spin-off from this is why shouldn't we view Arkham in efficiency terms? Or why why are we not talking about action economy all the time in Arkham? I, I, I feel like we've sort of touched on that, which is that it can not be fun. right? And, and it mm-hmm. avoids discussing why some people like to play certain cards. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Maybe you have a particular set of cards you'd like to see in action and you use them. Mm-hmm. Maybe you like playing cards that other people don't play. <laughs> yeah. You're a contrarian. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think there's there's a lot of reasons. And you have to examine why people find the game fun. Mm-hmm. What do they enjoy about it? We've always said that we think Arkham Horror has a very broad church of players. Part of the reason... Cult, if you will. Yeah. Part of the reason I think we set up the podcast was because we had a bit more of a background in card games... And we were kind of aware that other people were coming to this from board games without having encountered some of the kind of the the core card game concepts like mm-hmm. kind of card efficiency and, and, and you know, drawing cards, why drawing cards is good. Mm-hmm. Deck building, 
consistency in deck building, variants, uh, how to analyse cards and costs and things like that. These were kind of concepts maybe some people were coming to pretty fresh. So it was really fun to talk about them and mm-hmm. try and translate these into terms they, they understood. Obviously, we've kind of grown since then, but maybe yeah. that felt like a bit of a starting point for us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you've said a couple of times on the cast that sense of we don't really know who's listening to it and what is yeah. out there. Yeah. So don't you other people out there just like us, or is there a whole range of people out there? Some people saying, "Well, I'm only playing Arkham for the story." Yes, sort of exactly. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, that's I, legit. I just like the yeah. theme. People pick an investigator and stick to it. Lots of people do that. Lots yeah. and lots of people do that. And yeah. like this to is investigator, mask I like, I feel familiar with, yeah. For theme or for mechanics or just from familiarity reasons, this mm-hmm. is what mm-hmm. I like to play and I stick to it. Yeah. And yeah. If you tell them, if you go along to them and say, well, actually, you're not playing the most efficient investigator, they're going to say, well, I don't really care. I've jotted down, you know, the, the reality as well as the chaos bag throws all efficiency considerations out of the window. The fact that in theory, the information we have is hidden you know, what's in our hand is not necessarily open information for the table, probably adds to this. But then I think the bigger ones are exactly as you've said, like there's, this is a story-led slash role-playing game. It's a cooperative game. There's not the same requirement to be better than your opponent that you might find in, in competitive card games. And then the part that I just keep coming back to is that idea of there is somehow, a, maybe it's a stigma around thinking entirely in terms of click economy or action economy, that there's something unfun about it. Mm. That I say, well, I'm I'm weighing up whether to take Faustian bargain or investments in this deck I'm making. And if someone replies saying, well, Faustian bargain is a more efficient card, that somehow misses maybe some of the nuance or some of, you know, maybe I just want to know which card is more efficient, in which case, great helpful answer but if i don't want to know what card's more efficient if i'm more interested in any of the shades of gray in between that there's something that gets kind of shut down by the be efficient and when we go all the way back to that post from 11 years ago this idea that you go and read a guide and you be efficient as a result and the original poster was saying well my brother's analytical he's the efficient one but i i wonder about that and can i not be the explorative player or the imaginative player and is the space for me in games to which the answer I'd say is absolutely and yeah maybe that adds to the feeling that efficiency crowds out some of that we've done a fascinating thing Peter we've set up a topic to talk about that we both basically fundamentally disagree with <laughs> yeah potentially but this again, is what happened when you write stuff in the shower. Yeah, but I think this is, we'll we'll touch on some of these themes again in an upcoming episode as well. So yeah, we'll see how yeah. our thoughts have developed. Also, in defence of action economy, you know, like you said, once you peel back that layer, you can't put it away again. Mm. And there is something that can be really exciting about discovering any kind of numerical system underneath the hood of the game. That point when I've said to you before, when we talked about solo decks, when I started to work out, like, you know, what are the six to eight cards in my deck that get me clues? What are the six to eight cards that get me enemies? On the one hand, yeah, it could be tedious if every single deck I make, I'm following those steps. But on the other hand, it was like, it was quite freeing to realize, ah, okay, this is, this is some of the balance that I've been intuiting up to this point, And I now actually have a framework for naming that. 
you know, being able to say, well, why is it that playing hot streak level two, if I have five resources, feels better than emergency cash? It's like, well, you can you can actually apply numbers to this that make sense of it. That's that's good. So if you're one of those people who really likes thinking in terms of I want to be more efficient, I want I want to feel um, powerful as I play and I want to feel like I'm doing things the right way, whatever that is, I can see the appeal of it. Bro, well, should we should we wrap up there then? As ever, we quite like to start the conversation rather than end it. So this is very much us just dipping our toe into this this area and this topic. And we'd love to hear from you. You can email us. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at drawn to the flame. We are on on Twitter, what's now called X, but I don't know if either of us are even looking at the account anymore on there. And we're on Patreon as well. So if you want to become a patron of the cast, you can find us on there. Search for Drawn to the Flame. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I am United everywhere. So I am uh, United on X, but I won't be checking that on Blue Sky, on Discord, and I'm on and Steam, and I'm on Instagram as the.united. So yeah, please say hello. How about you, Frank? I'm around the place as Zoe Glass and Zozo, and I've also made the move to Blue Sky. I'm FB on Blue Sky, EPH underscore BEE. No, it's not even an underscore, it's just EPH BEE. That shows how efficient I am with my. Yeah. We've only got a certain amount of letters. We've got time to read in each day, Frank, and you've just reduced exactly. that. Exactly. No time for one. the underscore. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's, that's the goal. That's the goal. Six is better than seven. So, yeah, say hello as well. Be good to make contact with people on there. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you.